Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. My dad took me hunting for the first time at five years old. I wore oversized hand-me-downs, an assortment of camouflage patterns. My dad, my uncle, cousin, and I loaded up in an old truck and headed to the marsh. Duck hunting was my start in the outdoors, the first memory I recall ever. I will forever be grateful for that day and my dad. That day has shaped everything. What started as a five-year-old's new adventure grew in hunts, experiences, and stories that will last generations. It's what I love. It's who I am. I didn't grow up pheasant hunting. That's something that started for me about 10 years ago. And I got hooked really quickly, and it is now one of my favorite types of hunting to do. Since this interview, I went from one Britney Spaniel to two Britney Spaniels. And I don't know if you're familiar with the breed or not, but they are a medium-sized, high-energy, beautiful dog, um, kind of born and bred for for bird hunting. For hunters, outdoorsmen, for a lot of us, we can pinpoint that moment when what we were doing became more than just a hobby. It became ingrained and it became a lifestyle. And for some of us, it becomes a business. It becomes your every day. Think about that. Every day. Now add four bird dogs. English setters, to be specific. Our first guest on the podcast is my good friend, Wade Kisner. Wade is the owner and guide of Sweet Point Setters and Setter Tales TV. We talked to Wade about his start in the outdoors, starting a business after retirement, and his best four-legged friend, Sweet Lou. If you love upland hunting, bird dogs, dogs in general, or just love a good story, this episode is for you. I'm Steph Busenbark. This is episode number two. You're listening to The Woods and Waters Project. What I found is it's more about that 
window of time you know i mean if you think of a hunting dog and the amount of years a good hunting dog has on this earth um that time's precious so every day you can get that dog in the field really becomes valuable to me i met wade through my local pheasants forever chapter a couple years ago wade is retired from the department of criminal investigation and he may be retired but he keeps himself pretty busy here's wade I have a business called Sweet Point Setters. Um, I have four setters right now that probably you could hear barking if you really listen really close that are out in the kennel right now. But uh, we started with doing guided hunts and kind of exploring my interest in the outdoors and bird hunting. And then that kind of spun off in a lot of different other projects. And we're involved with Pheasants Forever here in Lynn County and uh, the Quail and Upland Game Alliance and several other organizations uh, promoting conservation and, and protection of our, our resources, specifically our bird resources. So we do a lot of different things. Yeah, and that's um, why I wanted to talk to Wade specifically is I have a bird dog of my own and that's a pretty new venture for me for the most part. And so I like to pick Wade's brain once in a while about bird hunting and I think he might not think he's the expert but I think Wade's the expert in these areas and I think it'd be really cool to learn from you um, I know there's people who would be listening that would be really interested in upland bird hunting uh, training dogs how you got into it in the first place um, so we can start there actually so could you tell me how you got started in the outdoors and how that was it always bird hunting or did it start somewhere else? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, I like you, I was mentored as a youngster in the bird hunting world. And uh, my uh, I grew up in Missouri. And, uh, you know, where I grew up, we called it Missouri. And I think up here everybody refers to it as Missouri. But if you get down to where I'm from, you'll, 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 they'll, they still refer to it in a lot of places as Missouri. But, uh, but my grandfather uh, had a farm, had an 80-acre farm, which uh, to me at the time was huge. And um, we didn't live on a farm. My dad, we actually lived in town, but we didn't live that far away. So we spent a lot of time in granddad's 80 acres. And, and he had a bird dog, such as it was. It was kind of a farm slash hunting dog slash whatever, you know, all-purpose farm dog, which was what he was. But, but he could find birds and point birds and retrieve birds. And so that was pretty cool. That, so that was my first experience with using dogs to hunt was down there on his farm quail hunting. I've never been quail hunting. Do you still quail hunt Oh, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I grew up quail hunting, moved to Iowa 40 years ago, 40-some years ago, uh, to take a job and found out that the birds up here were like this big, huge chicken that flew in the air, and they called them pheasants. And uh, <laughs> I'd never hunted pheasants in my life until I got to Iowa, and I thought, how difficult could this be trying to hit that thing versus a, a quail? And I found out that... Uh, pheasants have their own uh, ability to uh, um, humble you in the field, and uh, but but once I got to Iowa, the, the, my whole kind of bird hunting kind of made a switch into pheasant hunting, obviously because of the birds. And I didn't do a lot of quail hunting, and uh, recently we've kind of gotten back into that on a couple of the shows that we've done. We've uh, actually got back into some quail hunting, and man, I they they are fast. They are fast, and they and they move quickly, but. There still is, as you know, there's nothing like a, a a pheasant flushing in front of you with a dog that's on point. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't done that and experienced it, it's hard to describe to somebody. But it's also more difficult to describe to you what it's like when you take that step in thinking that it's a pheasant and it turns out it's 40 quail that flush and go all <laughs> different directions, you know. And that, that is just a, a great experience, and we've been able to do that some, some more. But, but yeah, if you haven't quail hunted, uh, it's really something you should try. You should put on your list and in, oh, it's uh, on my list. Uh, for you to do. <laughs> That's awesome. And Sweet Lou is the, is the original. He's the old guy. Yeah. yeah he's the, so he's, could you tell us, it's a really cool story. Could you tell us the story of Sweet Lou? Well, um, back back when I hunted and started hunting here in Iowa, especially, um, I had a lab. Um, we talked about labs that you had a lab growing up, and it was more of a kid dog. You know, the boys grew up with a dog, and it was a lab. And you know, the, because of the job I had, I didn't get to hunt 
that often. And so she, Maggie was her name, and she was kind of that hunting dog that I took when I got the chance to go. She gave a great effort, you know. She wasn't anything special by any means, but, you know, she could find a, a crippled bird once in a while, and and uh, and and that was it. But but towards towards a few years ago when I got ready to retire, a friend of mine, un, unknown to me, had had a, a litter of English setters. And I'd hunted with some English setters before and always thought they were pretty nice dogs, but... I guess I never really envisioned myself having one. And he shows up, and, I, you know, people say, well, you, do you remember that day? And I don't remember a lot about it other than it was July 28th, 2000, <laughs> 2008, at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But other than that, I don't remember much about it. But uh, my friend Ray, who's had English setters for years, showed up at my driveway and knocked on the door and said, I've got something I need to show you. And I walk out to a to his SUV and he has two dog crates in his truck and he's got two English setter puppies and one of them was a white and brown female and the other one was this black and white male speckled uh, both of them just cuter and heck about 11, I think they're about 11 weeks old and he says to me that he said I'm keeping that female and that male dog there is yours and I'm like what and he said no that's your dog I didn't really need a dog at the time. I still had my lab. I had three boys, and, you know, I got all this stuff going on. I'm still working. So so I really wasn't in the uh, market to have a puppy, so I tried to kind of resist the fact, I know, you know, I don't need a puppy. I'm not sure my wife would be too thrilled about me getting a puppy now and all these all these things that told me I shouldn't do this. And, and the last thing I remember is he took out a, bo- a bag of uh, dog food and threw it down there on my driveway, and he was headed up the street, and I was left holding this puppy about the time that my wife came to the door and kind of had that look of, what the hell have you done? Uh, but uh, So the story goes that Lou found me. I didn't find him. He actually searched me out, and as, as I found out later, I was kind of Lou's last resort. Yeah, he was the last one in the litter. Nobody wanted him. They hadn't picked him. He was. They were just... They, they, uh, my friend couldn't keep him because he had all females in his kennel. And so um, I don't know what would have happened to him. You know, he might have been euthanized down the road. I don't know. Uh, but but basically he found me, and uh, and that's how I ended up with uh, with Sweet Lou. And uh, so, so kind of knowing how that kind of changed my whole world as from, from today, I mean, uh, that kind of started the whole my whole world of English setters and training dogs and and traveling around hunting with dogs and so uh, so that was kind of it yeah he found me I didn't find him <laughs> <laughs> that's a really I love that story is that how Sweet Point Setters got started is that really is that from Lou well yes yeah if you see our logo that's that's a picture that's from a picture taken in uh, 2010 of uh uh, Lou, on a, he's actually honoring another dog. It might have even been a, a Brittany that he was honoring that day. I don't know. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's a, it's taken from a picture of, of of him when he and I both were were much younger, and um, but yeah, that kind of started the journey. Um, I I retired a short time after that uh, from a career in law enforcement, and you know now I finally had my boys are grown I'm I'm not I'm retired and so now I have the time to actually you know put into training a dog and and hunting which I didn't have before and so um, so he, the timing of when I got him and and my life kind of cycle of where I was in my career all kind of hit at the right time and so uh, he and I kind of started spending a lot of time together and the more I I, more time I spent with him, the more I realized that he's pretty talented. You know, he was a lot. He had a lot more hunting instincts than any dog that I had had before. Not that I'd had any real, you know, great ones, but um, but it dawned on me that he had a lot of potential, and it was up to me to make sure that, like any athlete, it was up to me to make sure that, as a coach or a mentor, that I put him in the right situation where where he. Uh, reached its potential and so uh so that kind of started the journey and you mentioned the guiding so at what point did you transition from here's sweet lou 
to these guided hunts? Like, well, how did that transition? Well, you know, I, I honestly, the Lynn, we mentioned the Lynn County uh, Pheasants Forever group before, and it, and they really are responsible for that. I did get involved with them right after our, as I was getting ready to retire, got involved with them because I thought, well, I got time now to maybe get involved in an organization like that. I didn't know what they were into. I didn't know what they did. Started going to some meetings, and at one of those meetings, I did meet Steve Rees, who was involved uh, with them at that time. And, you know, Steve's a big uh, trainer and still is, raises German shorthairs. And so I was a lot like, like you. I was looking for that person, that expert that I could really ask a lot of questions to. And that's really what you have to do. You have to, you know, find somebody that's willing to answer questions. There's a lot of information available on the internet and places that there wasn't before. So, uh, but that's the main thing. I got involved with him. Uh, found out he guided at that time down at a place called Highland Hunting, which I had never ever been to, in Riverside, Iowa. And he took me down there because he said now that, now that you're retired they're always looking for guides maybe this is something that you would be interested in doing and I said okay so we went down there and I took Lou and uh, it was a little bit um, you know it was it was challenging in the sense I didn't know what to expect I was afraid you know my dog will make a mistake and you know these guys are paying to have you guide their dogs and so what's you know what's the worst thing that can happen is they mess, you know, Lou messes up, and this is, you know, and so it was a little bit, uh, I was a little bit stressed out over the thing, but as, but as it, as it turned out, he did fine, um, I enjoyed it, uh, I saw it as an opportunity to get my dog on lots of birds that he wouldn't otherwise, and I also saw it as a opportunity to spend a lot of, a lot of time in the field with, with my dogs, and, and even guiding today, I continue to do it when I can uh, because I see it as that same kind of opportunity. In one of our episodes, a uh, guide episode that we did, I talk about that a little bit. And, you know, and, and it, yeah, you get paid to guide these guys, but you meet people from all over the com- country that have the same passion for hunting and dogs. And at the same time, uh, you know, you get uh, paid to do it, which is, which is kind of nice. Uh, but... What I found is it's more about that window of time, you know. I mean, if you think of a hunting dog and the amount of years that a good hunting dog has on this earth, um, that time's precious. So every day you can get that dog in the field really becomes valuable to me, especially now that Lou is 11 and uh, and I'm getting up there. Um, you know, every time I'm out with him, you kind of look at it as we got one more opportunity to uh, to hunt maybe we get another good season in um, and that type of thing but but yeah we got involved in the guiding and that kind of took off and it's been about 10 years we've been kind of one of the steady guides if you will down at Highland Hunting met a lot of great people through that um, got a lot of repeat clients you know that ask for Lou and want to hunt with Lou and I uh, bet. And the interesting, the cool thing about that is that uh, most most of the other breeds of dogs that are being used as guides guides down there are German Shorthairs, which in this part of the country, that's really the predominant gun dog that you see, you know, as a, oh, yeah. a German Shorthair. You know oh, what yeah. that's like. And uh, But I kind of like being that odd guy out, you know. It's different. So when you do have clients, um, there may be a lot of them I've had to have never hunted with setters before. It's their first first experience and so that's kind of fun you know to give them something different you know to hunt a different breed of dog for a change and so that's kind of been our success down at Highland and way they have used us is that opportunity to kind of mix it up a little bit Um, you know the dogs are great down there and that's kind of kind of Ryan's um, hope is that you know all the dogs are very professional down there and so you just don't you know, hunt any kind of dog down there. They have to be uh, meet a certain standard uh, for, uh, for him. But uh, but yeah, it's always kind of fun going. You got setters, you know? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, kind of part of the diversity program down here at uh, Highland Hideaway in uh, Riverside, <laughs> Iowa. But but we're starting to see a few more, a different kind of dogs, different breeds. See a few Vigilas, um, some Brits now and then. But uh, uh, yeah, that's the fun part. The fun part is you know saying okay. 
Um, the truly fun part, uh, too, is uh, those those young kids that come through there that are haven't killed a pheasant before, and they get to do it over one of my dogs, and that's that's priceless to me. And so, for me now, it's all about like you, what you do with your woods and water project is for me. It's about exposing people to the sport. You know, if they don't know about it and they've never tried it, they may not, they, and maybe they won't like it. Maybe they'll never do it again, but they might be like you. Your dad took you that first time and you were hooked. And I see that down at Highland uh, a lot every year. It's that youngster that comes out with his dad and he's never killed a pheasant before. He's never seen a dog hunt. And, and even the youngsters, even, and I'm talking, you know, 11, 12 years old, 13, uh, they're, they, they get a lot of enjoyment out of just watching the dogs work, which, you know, yeah. and that's a part of it. It's, yeah. it's not just getting, you know, it's how the dogs work ahead of you to, uh, to get that bird for you. And so that's been fun. Um, you know, every time last year, my youngest dog or one of my young dogs, major, um, actually I was hunting him later in the day and this young man, uh, with his dad, there was a dad and son hunting, and he had not, he had he had failed on a couple opportunities to kill a pheasant earlier in the day, you know, off a point, off a dog point, and I think it was Lou, and uh, and you know, but some days that you just you know it's there's some mechanical things involved in flushing a bird, getting your gun shouldered and shooting uh, accurately, and so he shot, he threw some lead as they say, and so but he was having a good time. But the day was about to end, and I'd put down my two young dogs just to kind of finish the day. And we were probably up by the truck getting ready. We're 15 minutes from probably ending the hunt, and Major locks up on this very nice point. And, uh, and here's this opportunity for this young man. And so we get him in the right position and said, well, you know, with the wind, I'm thinking that bird's going to be right here. You know, walk in in front of, front of Major. And he did, and it was a, a very nice rooster that flushed. And he actually got the gun up and he, he shot and he, and he got his first rooster. And so that was, that was just really cool. He got his first rooster, young, young guy getting his first rooster over a young dog, you know, yeah. and it was, and I was there to watch it. And so it, that, that couldn't be any better than that. Yeah. I think sometimes it's, it's so much better to watch someone else experience that for the first time than like getting that bird yourself. Like there's something about watching someone get into the outdoors, get into hunting for the first time. It is for it's, me. Yeah. Right now it is. At least yeah. at my age it is. It's, I'd rather see you get a bird, you know, my dog do its job, work hard, set you up where you can be successful and go in and, and get that bird. That's, that's where I get my enjoyment now. I don't need to, you know, I always wondered how I transitioned into the guide thing from, from the, from the hunting and, and there's a lot of days I like to to guide more than I find the guiding more joyful than than the hunting just because I can focus totally on the dogs and what the dogs are doing as opposed to when you got a gun now you got to you got to be be uh, aware of the gun situation and safety and shooting and you know and so without that I can totally focus on the guns and the other people around me but uh, but you're right that's as you teaching people and showing them the enjoyment of the sport and when they do hit that that uh that point where they're like this is i'm going to do this again you know it's you've done your job i guess as and as a guide we've done our job if i can get if i can get people to come back and say i want to do that again i've never hunted with dogs but i'm telling you i'm coming back that's what ryan likes to hear yeah yeah so earlier you were talking about the resources that are out there for people to learn from so evolution of hunting in Missouri to Sweet Lou to Sweet Point Setters to now you guys have your own show that you kind of started to talk about. And I've watched it and I love it because you don't just show the highlights of killing a bird. You're also showing like the mistakes and the funny parts about hunting. And I think it's a really great resource for people to check out. So can you tell us a little bit about your show? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that uh, we intended to, <laughs> uh, to have a show, um, when it, when it all started, it kind of, you know, obviously my youngest son is trained in film and that was kind of his uh, background. And so, um, you know, we decided we would film a show and at least videotape, you know, go in the field and video the dogs because I, I kind of thought, well, you know, if people really saw what the dogs do, maybe that would be, you know, 
because so many people I would encounter had never, ever hunted before. When, you know, a few years back when the decline of the birds happened, you know, here in Iowa, a lot of people just gave up hunting. Uh, the, uh, a lot of the young people then didn't have anybody to really take them hunting. Why, why bother? There aren't any birds anyway. And so the number of hunters really declined. Um, it's starting to pick up a little bit, but I don't think it'll ever be like it was. But uh, uh, but we saw it maybe as a way to kind of show people what we what we we do, what our dogs, how our dogs hunt. We'll put it up on our website. We guide, you know. If, uh, my whole thing was I was going to have uh, uh, I I'd taken some people to South Dakota and had guided them to South Dakota. Took my dogs out there and kind of did a multi-day kind of a hunt where I'm the guide kind of a thing. And so uh, early on, that was what I thought we were going to kind of spend our time doing. But I'll put these videos up there so you kind of see what you're going to get, right? Yeah. Um, and kind of what it turned out was people liked the video and they said, why don't you make a show out of it? And so it kind of went that direction. But, um, but yeah, it's a good opportunity to uh, do what you and I both like to do, which is kind of educate people about the outdoors and about hunting dogs and what they're missing and uh and get them out there to try it if i can get you to try it i think i'll get you back yeah uh but you know there's a lot of you know and i've had people that say gosh you know i, I want to go buy a dog and my dog do what that dog does and you know they're looking at a dog that's hunted more birds than i could even count um and so yeah you know you start with a dog that has the proper dna and the pedigree but you know it's like when i got lou he had the proper dna and the pedigree but he needed somebody to give him that exposure on birds and, to, you know, to train him the right way. And, and I made my, uh, you know, I made a number of mistakes. There's no question about it. But, you know, I asked people, I found people that were more knowledgeable than I was. And, and I found out that most of them were very, very willing, as I am, to share what information they had because what they want to see is, is that dog that you have who has all the potential in the world to get that dog done you know, at the highest level it can be. And that, but that takes time, that takes patience, that takes a lot of effort. And as you know, a lot of people um, are involved in so many other activities and things, that's hard to do sometimes. So, yeah. uh, so those, those dogs like you see at Highland and places like that just don't happen. There's a lot of time and, and effort that goes into getting those dogs to, to that level. So Yeah. What would you tell someone who's listening right now that just wants to get started in bird hunting maybe they maybe they maybe they do or don't have a dog um what would you tell them as a first piece of advice you know you can do some research research out there i i think a place like highland a preserve or some place like that is a great way to get that kind of what's this all about what's upland hunting about well one thing is about a lot of walking you know there is a there is a physical fitness component to it <laughs> Even though I do see guys in, you know, well into their 70s that are hunting down there still, and that's really great to see. But uh, but a lot of people that don't understand that think, well, you know, you just have to walk behind a dog. Well, you do, but it's through heavy cover sometimes. It's through ditches and uphills and downhills. And and so, uh, yeah, not only do the dogs have to be in shape, but they have to be shaped a little bit. But what I would say is maybe seek out a place uh, and Highland's not the only place, but there are a lot of different preserves in the area. Maybe go out and just try it, you know, get a guide to take you out with their dogs and see how you like it, you know, and if you like it, and uh, then there are a lot of different breeds of dogs, and maybe you ought to, you know, hunt with a Brittany and hunt with a German Shorthair, and, and you'll find one that you like the, the best, but... Um, like you said earlier, sometimes they just choose you. I think that well, happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my case, it did. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of, I just think, you know, make sure you know what you're getting yourself into, because when you get that puppy, you know, you're talking about a 12 year commitment. Yeah. And so um, know what you got for time, know the type of hunting you want to do yeah. and know what kind of dog is best suited. If you're into duck hunting, you probably don't want an English setter. <laughs> Uh, but if you're into upland and into a lot of different bird hunting and you're, um, you, you just have to kind of know what you're looking for. And even with the puppies, I tell people that, what kind of hunting are you going to do? Cause there are different lines of setters, there's different lines of Brittany's and, you know, so you really have to kind of know what you're looking for. And, but when people ask about my puppies, I tell them when I, first thing I'd say is come down and hunt with mom and dad. Yeah hunt with the sire and hunt with the dam and see how they hunt. If that's what you're looking for, great. 
if you're looking for a dog that ranges more than mine do, then you probably don't want mine. You know, if you're wanting uh, a dog that's close in and, and, and works a little closer, perhaps you probably do. But, but uh, yeah, as far as the show goes, um, you know, we have a lot of people that, that see our dogs there. Um, you know, our dogs, they're, I'm, I'm not a professional trainer. I'm not, I don't ever claim to be, but I've learned a lot. You know, like you from just doing it and 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 talking to other people, watching other, being around other trainers, being around people in the industry, you learn a lot and and uh, you get better at what you do. And every dog that you, you know, um, I'm hoping that the younger dogs I'm bringing up now are going to be better than Lou someday because <laughs> they should be because, you know, the whatever short shortcomings he may have had, I hopefully I can I can deal with those and and train in a different way or a better way than I did before. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's just fun. I mean, that's, uh, it's a very enjoyable way to, um, enjoy the outdoors, especially with family and friends. Uh, I can't think of anything better to do than get some guys or gals or friends and go out and, you know, shoot at a few birds, whether you get them or not, you know, just out there spending the afternoon. There's nothing better. Completely agree. And you do this with your three sons too, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, the show we have, you know, of course, my oldest would say he's he, he refers to himself as being the talent, kind of <laughs> like just tell me when I need to be on set and we're at, when you're ready to film. Um, you know, Travis is uh, our, our our middle son and um, he hunts on camera. He has one of our dogs, so he's got more more invested in do- doing some dog training and dog management things now than uh, than Tyler. And then Will, of course, is a guy you never see. If you look at all our episodes, yeah, you might catch a glimpse of him, of him in a couple. I think he, I think he's in the Kansas episode. But, but typically he's producing. He's behind the scenes. He's flying a drone. He's doing GoPro stuff. He's, uh, you know, producing, and and you need that. And uh, he's got a lot of, a lot of skill in that area. And quite frankly, we would we wouldn't be able to do a TV show without those guys that you don't see: the editors, the producers, the camera camera guys and that's a tough job when you're trying to film a upland show um all the parts are moving you know dogs are moving hunters are moving and they have to move with it and they have to try to anticipate where to be uh to get that that shot that we want and uh, sometimes we don't get it sometimes we miss it uh more that most of the time we do get it or, or we're able to get it over the course of a day but but it's been a fun thing to do, a great way to spend uh, more and more time with my sons. They're all grown. they got their own lives. And it's kind of that common thing that we can we can do to, to, together. It's getting harder and harder with grandkids and other things <laughs> going on. It's harder. But, but it's set up where sometimes I go on my own and do a show. Um, sometimes Travis uh, will do a show or he'll do do it with me it kind of depends he he went me to the kansas governor's hunt we went to last fall uh he was available tyler wasn't and so he went along and uh so we kind of have it fixed where you know we can be flexible um i don't know that they could do without me but maybe they I'm probably probably <laughs> they probably they could they wouldn't have anybody to uh, make fun of when i uh, miss a shot now and then but but no it's been a great experience it's been a lot of fun but it's been a great way to meet a lot of just really neat people that love hunting they love the outdoors they love love birds they love the the conservation side of it trying to make sure we protect that resource long after i'm gone and lou's gone and uh, that there are birds for everybody else to hunt and uh, part of what you're doing with the woods and water project is to get people to understand that this could be gone you know if we don't take care of it and that's why we're involved with groups like pheasants forever and other conservation organizations and we try to do our shows sometimes with those organizations so we can kind of spotlight what they're about and what they do because I think uh, that helps people understand uh, um, what they're into. We did one on the Heroes Hunt, which I think you were down there helping uh, uh, put together as part of that uh, Lynn County committee. And so we, we try to do stories. So, we, I mean, you know, if we go hunt somewhere, we're trying to what's a story. It's a group. It's an organization that's doing great things for conservation to protect this resource. 
it's a, a a farm that's been in a family for a hundred years, and they, and they they you know what's the what, and we get to hunt there, and they've had birds on that have been hunted on this ground for over a hundred years. How do they protect those birds? And, yeah. Or it's a certain breed of dog that we were maybe hunting with for the first time, and we compare how that dog hunts with our dogs and how gun dogs hunt together. And when they're in the field, an English setter is honoring a Brittany and a vice versa and a German short hair because there are a lot of people who don't think that they will. Uh, you know, I had them say, uh, wait, you know, a German short hair will never honor. Yeah, they will. You know, you know uh, there's no question. They, they, they see a dog that's honoring us on a bird and, and they're, that's what they're trained to do is to honor that dog's point. And to me, that's one of the more enjoyable things to see if you see a dog you know finding the finding the bird is one thing they're using their nose nose to find a bird but when you see two other dogs that are in the field with that dog that are at a distance away and are honoring that dog's point because that's what their dna is telling them to do and their training tells them to do that's just like i've had clients that say that's all i got to see is these dogs that are all lined up in a row honoring these dogs especially when they're different breeds and so we've been able to capture that in some of the episodes that we've done in the past. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we're we not just, it's got to be just English setters. I mean, we're not that way. We we like any kind of gun dog that is, is good at its profession. And so if that's a lab or if that's a, a German short hair or a Brittany, we don't care. I just think we like to promote uh, the outdoors and people using their their choice of, of that breed of dog. Yeah. So... But, uh, but yeah, it's a lot of fun, and we'll continue to do it as long as we can. You know, obviously, we're, it's like what you're doing. It takes some sponsorships. It takes people that believe in what you're doing and, and want to allow you to continue to do it. And for us, there's a lot of travel involved. Um, you know, you're taking four dogs to Kansas, almost to Colorado, and you're on the road for five or six days. You're paying camera guys, and your you know meals and gas and so it, you know there's some expense involved and then the editing so it's not just simple to do um so those sponsors are necessary and so whenever we can get a good sponsor on board uh, that believes in what we're doing that's really gratifying for us too yeah and i think uh i know you and i both outside of pheasants forever are involved in a lot of different a lot of different things um but pheasants forever for me has really been has catapulted me um, just because there's so many people who want to help and mentor and teach and and just as much want to learn so yourself I've asked a lot of questions and I feel like I have so many more as far as uh, bird hunting goes but is there something you yourself are are still trying to learn trying oh to well you know you learn every day I think um, I mean I I try to train my dogs right now. Of course, in the off season is a good time to um, you put in more training time. And and um, you know what I always like to get better at is uh, is is knowing the dog's personality. You know, and if you're a good trainer, you can read a dog. It's like you know, I've had people. My, my you know my wife Patty, of course, is a horse person, and she's always told me that horses have different personalities, and you have to train it. You have to know that dog, that horse's personality. And I find that dogs are the same way. And there are soft dogs, and there are harder dogs, and there are stubborn dogs, and you know there are dogs that are more biddable to being trained than others. And so, um, so with the four that I have, they're all a little different. And so you kind of when you get ready to train, you kind of have to understand, okay what's the best way to get through you know it's like a teacher how can i get through to the student what's working for this student may not work for this one because <laughs> yeah. not all all english setters are the same or not all german short hairs are the same and so that's what i like to get a little better at over time is to kind of be 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 quicker i guess at at putting that dog reading that dog i'm getting better at it but um you know i've got uh, four and uh, one of them is pretty easy to He's, he's a quick learner. He's pretty easy. He's, he's to, he wants to please you, uh, which is major. And then I have a female duchess who is very good at what she does. She's mm-hmm. probably one of the best hunting dogs I have, but she doesn't care a damn about training. You know, she could really <laughs> like, she like, she just like looks at me like, you gotta be kidding me. You know, why are you wasting my time? And I, but you don't understand. I want to refine you. I want to, I want, you know, I want you to maybe to pass a hunt test and all, you know, and she just, that's not, yeah you know she'll she'll do it but so with her it's like you just gotta 
you got to approach her a little differently than you than, than you, the other guy. He just wants to, you know, treat, he'd 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 do anything you ask him to do. So, but that's a lot of it. Uh, the other thing is just I'd like to have started it sooner than uh, than I than I did. I'd like to have uh, I'd like to know what I know now and be your age and be able to have another you know yeah. uh, thirty years to. Uh, uh, to put out there in the in the in the dogs and in the, the training side of it, but uh, but there's never there's never any time uh, there's never any uh, it's never too late. Yeah. And I see some guys getting involved with dogs when they're they're older and and they retire like I did, and so yeah. And but our dogs are family dogs like yours are. They're not just hunting dogs in a yeah. kennel all day long. They're family dogs and they're in the house and and uh, you know sometimes that's a that can be with four of them sometimes that gets a little crazy and uh you know and then we've got two females and two males and, and that gets really crazy when when they kind of come into heat and you know so it's yeah it's an uh, interesting situation uh most days but but yeah it's um it's just a lot of fun and the, the show has taken us places that we never ever thought we and hunt, we've hunted with people that we never thought we had hunt with before including the you know the governor of Kansas and some other people, yeah. so it's kind of cool. That is really cool. What's uh, what's your next adventure with the dogs? Our next adventure, well, um, I'd like to do a grouse hunt. Me too. Well, yeah, we've never, I've never done that. I'm, I, I feared that I'd waited a little too long into my life to tromp through and cross over, you know, down trees and stumps and you know. However, uh, a guy, several people I've met uh, have told me that there's logging roads and there's places depending on where you pick your, you pick your hunts. And, uh, but that, that just kind of seems to be something that interests me. I've never done it. And so what we'd like to do at the show is maybe go outside our comfort zone a little bit with quail and, and pheasants and try a different species of bird, perhaps a grouse hunt. I've got a gentleman up there that's invited me up to grouse hunt perhaps this fall so we may try that um you know we're doing the podcast thing now Uh, we're launching our own podcast as a way to kind of keep people uh more tuned in in between our our episodes that we do um kind of let them know what we're doing and uh provide some more of that educational information like you do uh to people that are interested and and uh you know, want something to listen to, some experts out there, not only myself, but just some people that have a cool story, yeah. um, have some expertise, uh, whether they're a vet or whether they're a professional trainer. But mo- I'm, I'm mostly looking for just the guy that's got a neat story about hunting, you know, that wants to, wants to talk about it. And so, yeah, we've had some pretty interesting things happen on the road with the dogs. I mean, if you, you haven't lived until you've traveled with hunting dogs across the country, because <laughs> that can be... Uh, that can be quite an quite an experience, and we do have a 12-foot dog trailer. That's kind of our dog hotel when we go on the road. It's uh, it's got six uh, six compartments and and air conditioning and heat and you know it's kind of interesting. One of our our sponsors uh, got this is what originally got this trailer up to us and. They sent it up and they said they're going to put air conditioning on it. And I said, well, I don't think I need air conditioning. And I said, you do know where I live, right? I live in <laughs> Iowa, man. I'm hunting pheasants in in in, in Iowa. I don't think I'm going to need the air. Uh, he convinced me that well, perhaps with the show, you're going to end up down in the southern states quail hunting someday, yeah. and maybe you'll want it. But uh, uh, so our our trailer has air. I don't think I've ever had it on, so I don't know that it works. But uh, but uh, yeah, he convinced me that maybe someday we would need that. But but yeah, that trailer is kind of significant, and it's kind of become our our signature uh, billboard as we go down the road, if you will, you know, yeah. and uh, within the things that we do, you can catch it in some of our episodes. Uh, we like to kind of give you a, a visible guideline of where we are and where we're going kind of in the first part of the show. So, you know, if we're going to St. John, Kansas, kind of a general idea where that is from, from where we are in Cedar Rapids. But, but uh yeah, so it's 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 been fun. I think we're going to do some of that stuff. We did make it our first international hunt. And I don't know. Uh, we wanted, uh, went and hunted in Ireland back this oh, last know. January. <laughs> yeah, you probably were going to bring that up. I've been waiting yeah, to see the footage yeah. on that. Uh, well, that's that's coming. Keep everybody <laughs> teased out. That's coming. But, uh, yeah, we did our first international hunt. And quite frankly, I'd like to do a little more of that. 
um, you know, we've we've got a gentleman in Canada and some some uh, a guy in Argentina and places like that. There's some great bird hunting around the the planet. You just have to figure out how you can get there to to do it. And you know, honestly, the the Ireland thing. I, when you think about bird hunting and pheasant hunting specifically, I'd never ever thought about pheasant hunting in Ireland of all right. places. Okay, but. Uh, our show kind of got us there and by that I mean uh, there's some guys in in Ireland that were big fans of our show and got on on our social media platform and started you know sharing photographs of their English setters that they they hunted with they were uh, members of the uh, English Setter Club of Ireland and were hunting uh, some pheasant and snipe and some other types of birds and so one thing led to another and we kind of like hey if if I make a trip to Ireland, what's the chance of maybe getting uh, in the field for a couple of days? And so it, we kind of put that together where we went over there in January and, and hunted pheasants and snipe on the, hunted snipe on the bogs. And so we got some great footage and it, I think it's going to turn out to be some really dynamite episodes. Um, Heck yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, a, but it's a, but that experience was cool because, you know these guys love their dogs like we love our dogs here, and but they hunt a little different, and uh, so it was a, really a learning experience to see how they approach uh, the dogs and upland hunting and how we do it. And uh, the biggest challenge was getting a shotgun over there, so that was a whole whole side story in its in itself. But but I but I got it, I got it there and used it, and um, and uh, yeah. So if anybody's trying to planning on going to Ireland to do a hunt. They ought to check. They ought to ask me how, how what the what the challenges are to getting the shotguns over there because there is a little bit of a challenge. Oh yeah. You need to know your local laws and uh, and and things. Luckily, uh, our contact over there, Michael uh, Roqueford, a uh, great guy, was a police officer over there. So, so of all the weird things that happened, you know, coincidental things, he had English setters. He was a big hunter in the birds. Yeah, got to see our show, got to be a fan of our show, and then turned out to be a police officer and investigator like I was in my previous life. And so we we immediately built a bond, you know, of, uh, yeah. of, of those types of things. And then when we got over there and spent 10 days over there, it was, it was fantastic. So one of the things we're hoping to do going forward is that he and a couple of, these, of the other guys we hunted with are planning to come to Iowa and are going to hunt with us here in the states and so uh we hope to shoot a video episode about that and um you know they have birds there but i don't think they've seen the kind of birds that they're gonna they would see see here if they came here and so so those are just some things that we kind of have on the back burner the the ireland thing is coming i i hope we hope to have that out there uh, uh for public viewing by the end of the summer and uh, it's just uh, going to be uh, probably be at least a couple episodes, maybe more, to do it justice. It's just a beautiful country, and and just spending time with those guys and talking about their dogs and and uh, what they like about bird hunting is just uh, is pretty cool. So hopefully we'll do some more of that. Yeah, and then take me with you. That'd be great. <laughs> well, yeah, that uh, we and that's one of the that's kind of on our to do list too. We've we haven't had a female hunt with us yet. In any of our shows. Well, there's no yeah, time like yeah. the present. So, so we may have to, we may have to get the uh, Woods and Waters uh, project uh, owner out there. But we've had, we've wanted to do that. We've had a couple kind of in the works that fell through for whatever reason because of our scheduling. Uh, but yeah, we think that's an important uh, component to, uh, you know, get some ladies out there with us and show them uh, in the field hunting and tell their story. So you know, we may have to, may have to do that. We'll put you on the spot though. Yeah. I'm in. (laughs) Thank you so much for inviting me into your home and your studio and doing this with me today. Can you tell people where we can find you? Yeah, well, you're 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 welcome. We we love to support (laughs) uh, organizations and individuals that love dogs and love hunting and the outdoors and are promoting what we love to do and so it's that's very easy for us to do but yeah anybody that has more information or wants more information about us can find us on our website sweetpointsetters.com our our video series which is sweet point setter tales um is up on amazon prime it's um also up on youtube and you can find it on our website as well uh we just had we had two Kansas uh, episodes that came out a few weeks ago, and I think we're about ready to release another two probably 
in the next week or so. And so keep watching those of you that are, are subscribers. That's the other thing that uh, uh, listeners can do also. You can go to our uh, our YouTube channel and you can subscribe. Um, doesn't cost you anything to be a subscriber, but what you do get is notification every time we drop a new episode. You get an email that says we point setter tails us, you know, put up a new episode to alert you to fact to go and check it out. And I think we've got uh, we're getting close to a thousand subscribers, and so it's important for us to get to that thousand thousand number. So if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do. I'll do uh, because I'll do uh, once we get to that YouTube thousand mark uh um we can start getting revenues back you have to have at least a thousand subscribers through youtube to derive any kind of revenues from from that so that's important to us i think we're like 50 or so subscribers away so so if you're out there and you want to <laughs> check that out the other thing we're doing is patreon we have a patreon uh, page or through our website where if you really enjoy what we're doing and want us to keep going it's uh, just a way to financially kind of support our our project uh, you can you, you can subscribe to that and become a uh, a patreon for you know five dollars a month and and if we get enough of those that helps kind of re, uh, take care of some of the costs of our travel and the other things paying cameraman doing all the things that we have to do uh, to keep our our dream alive i guess if you will yeah. and and we have a lot of great people that are supporting us in that in that way that aren't just corporate sponsors they're individuals and so anybody out there that loves what we're doing and wants to wants us to keep going check that out and uh, you can get more information about uh, being a a patron of uh, sweet point setter tales there but other than that it has been great spending time with 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 you and you uh, hopefully we can get you in the field and our motto is making memories in the field. showing us it's never too late to follow your dreams. You can learn more, where to follow, and support Wade and Sweet Lou in our show notes. Also remember to drop us a review, let us know what you think, and if there are any outdoor topics you want to hear about. Thanks for listening. Until next time. <laughs>